can't have fun in God's house, where can we have fun? Amen? All right. Matthew chapter 10, please. Matthew chapter 10. And what to be done with uh, this chapter this morning? This was all about Jesus sending forth his apostles for the first time. And how he had given them the ability to do signs and wonders, to spread the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, okay, all with a Jewish focus. And please keep that in mind because that is going to be imperative in understanding the rest of this chapter uh, because there is some easy places to go awry. Uh, there are some false teachings in churches that take place because people are not understanding the context of this chapter. Okay, this is a Jewish Messiah speaking to a Jewish people, sending out Jewish apostles with a Jewish message to the Jews and no one else. Okay, and we looked at that over and over and over. He said, do not go to the house of the Gentiles, do not go to the Samaritans. This is a Jewish message only. So understanding all that helps us to set the context here. Because if not, all of a sudden things get a little weird. All right? And so we're going to cover that. Then Jesus, after sending them out, giving this, uh, this ability, telling them what he expects for them to do, then he sits up a bunch of warnings. Okay? And we looked at some last week. So we're going to do a little bit of review on the slides, and then we'll get into this morning. All right? Uh, Matthew, uh, Jesus continues with the warnings, and we'll look at that in a couple of minutes, all right? Uh, they were sent to the Jews, we see that, not to go to the house of the Gentiles, not to go to the Samaritans, but to the Jews only. A Jewish Messiah gives a, get, speaks to Jewish men that he had chosen to be his apostles with a Jewish message, okay? Again, very important that we understand this. How many times have I said this example? I'm going to continue to say it to help us understand that if I had written a love letter to my wife and I happen to drop that love letter in the middle of the aisle and somebody else picks that love letter up and starts reading it, oh my dear, you're the most beautiful creation in the world, you know, and, uh, oh, you know go read Song of Solomon, you know, your teeth are like a little, little row of uh, cute little uh, sheep in the field and, you, you know, oh, all those wonderful things. Um, and picked it up and began to think, oh, the pastor loves me. The pastor thinks I'm wonderful. The pastor can't wait to go out to, for dinner this evening. No, it's written to my wife. Okay, It wasn't written to you. Now, can you learn a lot of things that I'm some sort of debonair Don Juan? Absolutely. Okay, But yeah, in the context, that's how we have to understand the scripture. That some of the things that are written are not written directly to us as a church, as Christians. We can learn from them, but they're not written directly to us. So when we look at this, if we say, oh, see, this tells us, Jesus is telling us we need to go give this message to just the Jews, not the Gentiles or the Samaritans, we know that that's not true for us. Okay? That's why this is important to understand who this is written to. Okay? Next slide says, he gives the warning. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, be therefore wise as serpent and harmless as doves. And we looked at that last week. Jesus says, listen, I'm sending you out as followers. That's word, the word sheep actually means something that follows. Amongst false teachers, 
And he says, I want you to be wise and understand what sin is. That's what that concept we looked at last week about wise as serpents, that we need to understand how sin is around us and how sin affects us personally if we're going to go out and be a testimony. And then being harmless and peaceful and, and blameless, okay, that we are supposed to represent our Savior as best as we possibly can. But he gave warning. Well, he continues with those warnings. So if you look with me, well, he also reminded them as a Jewish group of people who have grown up with this testimony, with this understanding that Messiah was the promised one to come, that he said, don't worry about what you should say, because God's going to help you with that. And granted, God does help us with that. But as a church, we know God tells us, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That God doesn't uh, expect us to go just dopey into a situation. God wants us to be well-versed in his scriptures. All right, The Jewish folks grew up understanding that for thousands of years. Okay, Different concept. This letter is not written to Gentiles. Okay, The context. It's written to Jews. All right. So with that in mind, if you'll look to me, uh, with me to verse 21 of chapter 10, and we're going to read this whole section right to the end of the chapter. And the brother shall deliver up brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And there ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the city of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord, if they have called the masters of the house of Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of, his, uh, them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. When I tell you in darkness that, uh, what I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. What ye hear in the ear that preach ye upon the housetops fear not them which can kill the body but are not able to kill the soul rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your uh, without your father but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more valuable than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him shall I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I am not come I, I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I come, I am come to set man in variance against his father, 
and the daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth uh, you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth in the prophets, uh, in, a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Let's pray. Father, uh, help us as we understand this passage. A lot of things you uh, share and Lord, there's a few focuses and a few uh, high points that we want to see today. Uh, Lord, be with my mind. Help it as we discuss these things together and understand the context and how important it is that we get that. But also, Lord, see that, Lord, you have a plan and you care for those who are in your service. And Lord, that's an amazing thing that we don't want to skip over. So Father, just uh, help us to adjust and be ready to serve you on a daily basis even in the midst of some of these warnings that we see given to those who are sent out with a message father some of those warnings we need to take heed to as well so father thank you in jesus name amen all right so he warned about the the that he also warned beware of men okay he talked about beware of councils never see that in a positive light in the scripture Okay, it's always uh, defined in the scripture as a group of people who are immovable. Okay, they are hard-headed and don't want to listen to anything else. And man, we can spend a lot of time talking about that, but let's keep going. He also warns about the religious folks. He says, uh, beware of those in the synagogue. Okay, he's talking about those who are stuck in their religion. And he talked about those in leadership that... Uh, be careful of them, too, that there are those who are not going to be willing to listen to what you have to say. Now, again, he's talking about this to a Jewish group of men with a Jewish message from a Jewish Messiah to a Jewish people. But he is reminding, don't be surprised if you have some resistance. Okay, and we talked about that last week, that we also understand that there are going to be times where people don't want to listen to the message that we're bringing. All right, but um, Jesus changes his emphasis to future events. And that's why this is very important that we look at this carefully. I don't know if you noticed, but he talks about um, changes to a tribulation second coming tone. Okay, so Jesus is telling them, I'm sending you out with a message to the Jews, but this also has ties to 144,000 witnesses that are going to be going around the world sharing a message in the future. Okay, and why this is important that we understand this, go to Matthew chapter 24. So we just saw this, right? We just read 
uh, about, you know, listen, I'm going to send father against son, mother against daughter, daughter-in-law. They're going to not listen to you. They're going to come after you for my name's sake. And there's an interesting phrase, and we'll cover it in a minute, that says, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. All right, Matthew chapter 24, just to remind us Jesus' change of focus, Matthew chapter 24 is definitely written about the tribulation period and the second coming of Jesus Christ, all right? Um, again, in the context, very important to understand it. Look, if you would, to verse 24, and we're going to go through verse 13. Very important that we cover this because I want you to see the similarities Jesus is now transitioning, saying the message that you're sharing and these warnings that I'm giving you, they are going to be warnings that need to be heeded in the end times as well. All right, look at verse, chapter 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto him, See, not, uh, oh, see, <laughs> see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And so here now we get the context. The disciples set it up by asking this question. Verse 3. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall be, and what shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world. All right, so you guys know what we're talking about? Very clear, they're asking him, Jesus, okay, there's going to be some signs of your second coming here. They didn't even understand it, and they said, and the signs of the end of the world. So we're talking about future events that Jesus is speaking of, starting here in verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name and say, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And, uh, and ye shall hear of wars... Uh, wars and rumors of wars see that ye be not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet a nation shall rise against nation kingdom against kingdom there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places all these things are the beginning of sorrows again time of jacob's trouble the time of sorrows we're talking about end time stuff here and listen to verse 9. And they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and kill you, and shall, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Sound familiar? We just read that same thing. That ye shall be, uh, shall be offended, and they shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because of iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. And he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Okay, so I want us to understand that when Jesus is talking in chapter 10, he is transitioning his focus to a future time where the Jews shall be sharing the message. All right, so now, does that help us understand this? I hope so. Keep going. Let's look at this phrase here. Um, families will turn against families. Okay, now again, we say that today, and that's sometimes what happens. Uh, man, not so much in America. We're getting there, though. It's amazing to me how we're preached that we're supposed to be tolerant 
of other people's choices unless your choices is to follow Jesus. I heard an interesting thing the other day um, that uh, someone said, oh, so we're supposed to be, be helping children as they transition. And the par- person said, yes. And they said, as they transition to Christianity. Oh, no, 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 no. It was amazing to me. So they could transition physically or any other thing, but if they were going to transition to be a Christian, that's out of the question. Again, over and over and over, we see that it's acceptable to be everything else in the world except a Christian. Those are the ones who are the bad guys and need to stop. be stopped. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you've noticed, just keep it in prayer, please. There are literally those now who are proposing laws that said that uh, children can be removed from the household because what, it, what was the phrase? Uh, religious, uh, like it's a disease to teach your children religious morals. And they're qualifying it now, now that way. Christianity and Judaism is a, a disease that must be removed. Okay, that it's a fault Okay, it's crazy. Keep it in prayer, please. We're getting to that point. Um, we don't see that so much in America, but uh, I'm sure Dan could tell you stories with global media outreach more than I could, that there are people that if you receive Jesus Christ as, as your Savior, you are completely exiled from your family. You will never see any of them again. And some of the nations out there will actually, the families will take a contract out to see you die. Okay, thank the Lord when we live in a christian quote-unquote nation still that we're allowed to worship how we want to here in our country but there are a lot of places in this world where this is extremely vivid picture that parents and children and family will turn against one another because of the message of jesus christ okay don't be surprised and be thankful every single day that we are sitting here in this church with the doors wide open and not having them kicked down by soldiers and having ourselves uh, heads chopped off in the front yard I know that's bold, but I need us to understand what is happening around the rest of the world and the privilege that God has given us here in our country to be able to share our faith. Okay, we are blessed. All right. In the future, though, God says, be careful, because there are going to be times when fathers and mothers will turn in their own kids. Children will turn in their parents to be killed for their faith. All right? Jesus says something interesting in this. Again, we are two weeks from Christmas. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Jesus said, I didn't come to send peace. Right? Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came to send not peace but a sword. Okay, Jesus did not come here, and this is a misconception in our world that we need to make sure everybody is getting along. That's the job of a Christian. No, the job of a Christian is to tell people that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. Okay? Now, if everybody asked Jesus Christ as their Savior, then, then, then they would all get along. Okay? Uh, please, this is something that, uh, again, it's hard for me to word this in, in a big package without talking about it forever, but there are those who think the, the cure to every uh, uh, problem in this world is go go ahead to make all the governments a a constitutional republic and that'll fix all the world's problems no 
it will not. Well, at least make it a democracy, which again, another commercial for you, we are not a democracy in America. We are a constitutional republic. Don't let that word that gets used over and over and over by the media convince you differently, okay? We have to understand that government systems do not save the world. Charity amongst humanity does not save the world. What saves the world is Jesus Christ, period. Okay, that is the issue, and that is what's going to happen. Jesus is sending these guys out with a Jewish message to Jewish folks who are not going to receive it. In the future, there is going to be Jewish people who are walking this earth, spreading a message about a Jewish Messiah who has arrived, and their lives will be threatened, and the majority of them will be martyred for their faith. And Jesus is warning. That is why, with that understanding, this phrase will plays out. Go to the next slide. Oops. Okay. This is the continuation of that passage, right? For I am here to set men variants against their father, uh, daughters against mothers, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. A man's foes shall be of his own household. All right? Now here's the phrase that if we are not careful, if you think this is a passage written to a church, we've got a big problem. He that endureth to the end. Now here's the issue. That makes it sound like you and I can lose our salvation. And that's a lot of times how this passage is taught. That if you don't stay faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ until the very end, you're not saved. Okay, that is not true. This is a Jewish passage written to Jewish people. Okay, Jesus has not died on the cross yet, has he? Salvation has not been won by Jesus. So that means we're still in the Old Testament system, right? What was the Old Testament system? The Old Testament was, system was, here's the commandments. You have to obey the commandments until you're dead, and then you're safe. This is not written to you and I as Christians. Okay? We'll put a couple verses up there in a minute, but I want us to understand this. Jesus is speaking to a Jewish group of people. You are to follow the commandments of the Lord. If you do not in the Jewish economy, we don't have the guarantee of salvation yet because Jesus Christ did not do his death, burial, and resurrection yet, did he? You and I are saved because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Did he do any work on the cross yet when he's talking about this? No. Okay, so that's why this is very important. If we go back and say, oh, see, that Christians, you better be careful. This is not written to Christians. This is written to Jews with a Jewish message. Okay, same thing when it talks about in Matthew chapter 24 that we just read. He's talking about in the end times, when at this point in time there is no church, it's been raptured out. Okay, when it is in the midst of the tribulation period, he that endureth to the end will be saved. Because we're back in a Jewish economy, back in Old Testament style. Okay, the Holy Spirit's gone, the church is gone. We can talk a little bit more about that later on. I want to get into that sermon because we'll be here for a couple hours. Okay? But I want us to understand this passage, this phrase about enduring to the end has nothing to do with a New Testament Christian believing in Jesus Christ shed blood on the cross for salvation. All right? You with me so far? Please. Don't let people grab this. And you can read commentators and they'll have all kinds of ideas about this. This is not written to you and I, is it? 
I want to say, uh, okay, Jewish apostles going to Jews only, not Gentiles, not Samaritans. This is not the church. All right? So, keep going. It was not written to Christians. I just said all this. We have been saved. We are sealed with God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God himself is our seal. Ephesians talks about that. Also says that uh, once you're born again, God, you chose that phrase on purpose. I can't be unborn. I can't call up my mom and dad and say, you know what, I'm tired of this life. Take it all back. Doesn't work that way. Once you're born, you are born. You cannot be unborn. That's why God chose that specifically. You can disown your parents. You can hate them. You can never talk to them again. They are still your parents. You cannot be unborn. Last one, how about, remember, it says, uh, the people that God has given me, Jesus says, they're in my hand. And then Jesus says, and I and them are in my Father's hand. And then he says, and no man can pluck them out of my hand. Go to Romans. Look, at, Remember what Romans said. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Savior. Can anything separate you from your faith in Christ? No, absolutely nothing. We are Christians. We are guaranteed 100%. This enduring to the end is for Jewish witnesses, not for Christians. You with me? I had to cover this because, it's, again, this can be taken twisted very quickly and make you think that you're in danger of losing your salvation of every moment of every day. Neither height nor depth, any other creature, nothing can separate us. Amen? Which I love that. All right, so we'll keep going. The Jews will once again be presented with an opportunity to receive their Messiahs as a nation but only at the end. God is not done with Israel. Please keep this in mind. And when we're reading and the disciples say, Jesus, would you tell us about your second coming and the end of the world? And Jesus says almost the exact same words here. They're gonna be, you're going to be hated for my sake. Parents are going to turn against children, children against parents, but he that endureth to the end will be saved. God is still going to be using the children of Israel. All right, again, if you want to read Revelation, talk about the 144,000 young male Jewish witnesses. God is still going to be using, sending apostles to present their Jewish Messiah in this world. Okay? Uh, some who don't understand the passage will try to teach this is a salvation by works, and you can lose it if you're not careful. Not what's happening. All right, keep going. <clears throat> After the church is gone... God redeems 144,000 Jews to, proceed, uh, to preach Messiah to the world. He said, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. This has not happened yet. And here's the phrase that I want us to see again in Matthew chapter 10 that solidifies all that what we've just been saying. Okay? The Jews have not been hated by all men yet because of their testimony of Christ. You get that? Now, are the Jews hated of a lot of people? We see that vividly right now, don't we? If, if there's something that's been happening in our culture over the last month and a half, it is we realize how much anti-Semitism and hatred for the Jews there is all over this world. But, is the hatred of the Jews based upon their stand for Jesus' name's sake? 
Absolutely not. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. So when Jesus says, you're going to be hated for my namesake, all nations shall hate you, Israel, for my namesake. That hasn't happened yet, has it? Okay, they hate the Jews because the Jews are God's chosen people and the devil doesn't like it and neither does the world or the flesh. But they are not hated for Jesus' namesake. And that's why this is important to understand. We're talking about future events that Jesus has transitioned to. Then he adds this statement at the end of verse 23. Till the Son of Man come. Now this is Jesus speaking. How much sense does this make if Jesus says, well... Uh, I'm giving you this message, and this is all going to happen when I come. Well, he's already there. So he's speaking about the point when he arrives again, right? You wouldn't say, when I come, if you're already there. This is common sense. So all of this is pointing to future events. Jesus says, listen, when I show up, this is how things are going to be. He's speaking about a future event. You will be hated for my namesake, which hasn't happened with Israel yet, and you will happen when I come. This is a future tense that Jesus is speaking of here. So he transitions. He's saying, listen, I got a message for you. Pretty soon, the message is going to change. We're going to be about three chapters away, and Jesus is going to say, you know what? Um, I'm going to start focusing this message a little bit more on the Gentiles than on the Jews. But for right now, he's using this because he's trying to set up a system that the Jews, when they are delivering their message about Messiah has arrived, that that's going to be the same warning for future events. All right, you with me? I know there's a lot of this is technical, but i got to make sure that we as a church understand this though, so we're not ever tripped up by somebody who wants to grab this passage and use it out of context. All right, keep going. Don't worry about your safety. Fear God, not man. Very important verse here. We use uh, reference this again, I think, Wednesday night. That don't fear someone who is willing to hurt your flesh. Fear those who are worried, uh, the one who can hurt your soul and spirit in hell. A uh, couple of thoughts here. Number one, again, I thank the Lord we live in a country where uh, getting killed for your faith is not uh, as prevalent as some other places. It still happens. Okay, we just don't see it and hear it as much as we do of the, of the thousands of people on this day alone that will lose their faith for Christ across the world. Um, but you know what's interesting? The fact that Jesus spoke about hell twice as much as he spoke about heaven. You see, in this world, people talk about, you know, Jesus and how he talks about love and inclusiveness and all this other stuff. And they don't want to talk about the fact that Jesus has spoken about things that are wrong and sinful and that there is an eternal punishment for that. And people run around all over this planet talking about the fact that they want to go to heaven someday and they believe in a heaven, but they don't believe in a hell. Well, it's very interesting that if you believe in a heaven, but Jesus spoke twice as much about something else, you would probably want to believe that just as much, right? Jesus spent twice as much time speaking about hell than he did heaven. And here he is speaking very clearly here. He's, listen, don't fear people. 
Don't fear the wolves and those. Don't fear this fight that's going to come within your own household and that you're going to be hated for my name's sake. He says, you know what? Fear the one who is going to send you to eternal damnation. That's the one that you need to worry about, not the people around you. All right, and we're going to boil this down again to a very vivid picture. And uh, Jesus is, this is not a pep talk. Okay, uh, my, my son Gideon uh, coaches, or I uh, shouldn't say coaches, he's an athletic trainer and stuff at the high school down there in Virginia, and texts last night and put on Facebook that uh, LNA, uh, Liberty uh, Christian Academy, or LCA, um, what do you call it, won the state championship. Woohoo! All right, it won the state championship. How awesome that is. And um, excited about the fact that they did that. I completely just lost my train of thought. Anyway, it'll come back to me. That's what happens with old age. Um, yeah, amen to that. But knowing that there is a good thing to be working toward, that you can win, okay, that you have a goal in mind, this is where we as Christians have a difference between us and Israel they are going to have to worry about the persecution that's coming. That's why this is important that we understand this is not to the Christians. So he keep going. He says, God cares for you. Now again, Jewish message, they are going to be persecuted for their namesake when you go out. Understand something in this. I love this. Um, how many times have you ever used that or heard that phrase about your hair on your head being numbered? Okay, and that God loves the sparrows so much and he understands when every single one of them dies, he's aware of it. And then he says, you know what? You're so much more important to me than a sparrow. Okay, God says, I got you. I understand. Don't fear those folks. I got your back. Now, does that mean that some people will not pass away for their faith? Nope. It just means God knows. What I understand, I love this. Uh, there's an interesting way he words this. I want to make sure I see the, the right phrase. Fear not, uh, verse 29. Our tune, uh, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? farthing, And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. It doesn't say that without God causing it to happen. He doesn't say without God stopping it from happening. He just says God's involved. Right? It doesn't say one's going to die without your father knowing it. it doesn't say without your father willing it or without your father doing it it just says without your father even the individual words of scripture are important you know there are things that are going to happen in your and my life things that are going to happen in the children of israel's life as they're witnessing for the lord that we probably don't think are uh, high on the list of things we want to go through 
Yeah, you know what? I would love that Dan was talking about this morning, that uh, gentleman that uh, they had been in contact with through the faith and through global media outreach was in prison for 10 years for his faith. Out of the loop. That's uh, how many of you just say, listen, I want to go to prison for 10 years for my faith. It doesn't say that God's going to stop, start, but the Father's there. Because it's hard for me as a Christian if I'm thinking of it in my own human brain to think, well, God, you're, you say you'll be with your children and they're, they're more valuable than sparrows, then how come some of them are dying for their faith? Because that is what God expects from them. And God is with them. See, we have this idea that anything bad that happens in the name of our faith is a failure of our faith or God's messing up or something. No. Some, you know what? Some of them fall, but their father's there. Please remember that. Because there are different times in my life, Lord, why am I going through this? It shouldn't be happening. God's going, knucklehead, listen, I got a plan. I, he uses that name for me a lot, by the way. I just want you to know, knucklehead. But God cares for us. He knows everything about our lives. He knows exactly what he wants for us. But here's the deal. As it's setting up, it doesn't get any easier, folks. Like I said, oh, that's what I was talking about. Thank you, Lord. Took a while for it to come around. A pep talk. That's what I had said. Okay, so you're about to enter the, the championship game. You give your team a pep talk. We've been training all year for this. We're doing a good job. This is all awesome. Um, this is not necessarily a pep talk that Jesus is giving, is it? Oh, go out and give this message. Don't go to anybody else but the Jews, but you know what? There's going to be trouble. People aren't going to like to hear it. They're going to hate it. They're going to want to kill you. It's going to be parents against you. All for my namesake. But remember, I'm with you. And then it gets a little steeper in the consequence. Keep going. verse 37 through 39 it says that they need to be willing to take their cross now please as christians and as humanity we have a oh i hate this phrase how many of you have heard somebody say well that's just the cross i have to bear anybody hear that oh, it just just irritates me you know i i have sciatica and it's just the cross I have to bear. Knock it off. Okay, to these folks, the cross meant one thing. And that is the most excruciating, embarrassing spectacle of death that you could possibly go through. It was a torturous, miserable way to die. Volunteer to have your head chopped off or something. You did not want to go to a cross. So get this. We are not talking about just my cross I have to bear. And as Christians, we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ because of the work he did there. They had no idea that that's what this meant. The only thing when Jesus said to them, you're going to have to bear your cross, that meant you need to be absolutely willing to die a miserable death. For, the, for this message that I'm giving you to, set, to spread. That's all they knew. They're not looking back and going, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross. What a glory. 
He hadn't done that yet. Dan, I think uh, last week we are talking about how Nero used to put people on the cross in his, in his garden and light them on fire just for sport. These folks did not think the cross was an awesome thing. This cross was a miserable idea. And so I have that phrase up there, right? Now, what they heard, they had no idea Jesus was going to cross. They needed to be willing to die some pep talk, huh? Giving you this message, it's an important message. People aren't going to like it. You're going to resist. You're going to find false teachers and all this other resistance. People are going to hate it. It might cost you your life, but I'm with you. But you know what? You better be ready to take up your cross. Because this is going to cost you everything. Now this is where... I wish, and this is a stupid statement, Craig, and I'll say it out loud. I wish sometimes that you and I would be able to see what other Christians around the world have to go through just to call themselves a Christian. That just claiming Christ as your Savior is a death sentence. And how soft have we gotten in America that we might not want to say it to somebody because we might just be embarrassed. I don't want them to think I'm some sort of Jesus freak. When Jesus said, listen, if you're not willing to take up your cross, then you're not worthy of being one of mine. I love America, but we've become a bunch of Christian couch potatoes sitting back enjoying the comfort of being a Christian and forgetting passages like this where Jesus says listen you go out into this world and preach this message it's not going to be fun you're going to be hated but you better be ready to take up that cross yes I'll bear the cross of Jesus I wear a little cross on my neck it's wonderful it's not what he's talking about he's talking about willing to say even if that means I get tortured in the most miserable way and put to death. That's what I'm willing to go through to spread the message of Jesus. That's tough. Well, Pastor Craig, you're ready, aren't you? No. I don't like the idea, but that's what Jesus asked for. How much did he give up for me? More than I ever could give up for him. He left perfect heaven being the all-powerful God of this universe. Not, again, we think, oh, he died on the cross for me. I could die for him. I could never compete. He was absolutely, perfectly sinless, glorified, most powerful being in all the universe, God of everything. He gave all that up to humble himself to become like one of us. And then on top of all that, after not doing anything wrong, not only did he have to die for his problems, he took everybody's sin. Not just mine, not just yours. Every person who ever lived from Adam and Eve all the way until God calls it quits. He did that for me. But, but, 
but they might think I'm like some sort of religious weirdo if I talk about Jesus. Take up your cross. Now again, I want to remind us that this is a Jewish passage and Jesus has transitioned to a future event discussion because in the tribulation period, when there are no more Christians here on this earth, and where the devil himself in the form of Antichrist has got himself set up in an authority over this world, how much harder is it going to be to claim the name of Jesus then? That you might literally be anywhere in this world and be a death sentence to claim Christ? I thank the Lord we live in a country where that's not an issue right now. But it doesn't mean we ought to be just sitting back and soft about it. We need to be willing to say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm willing to spread the gospel. I hope we understand, again, this passage has got a lot of heavy stuff in it. And again, Jesus has transitioned with these Jewish apostles, with a Jewish message to a Jewish people about a Jewish Messiah in a Jewish kingdom that's been promised for thousands of years. But that doesn't mean that the message that we're sharing is any less important and at any less cost. Um, we need to be willing to take up a cross to share our faith. It might just cost you your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, again, this was heavy. This is not... Uh, Not an easy concept when Jesus is sending these guys out. But at the same time, the chapter ends with reward. 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 And we didn't get into this heavy, Lord, because this is, again, speaking about a Jewish group. We're talking about prophets and righteous men. And, Lord, it's a Jewish system, but God, you are watching. You care for us. You love us. And there is a reward. Father, some of us just long for the phrase, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But Father, at the same time, you told us we can lay up treasures in heaven. And Lord, that uh, not that that's what we're doing it for, we're not just filling a bank account in eternity. But Lord, there is something to look forward to when we take up the cross. When we count all things as loss. Paul said, listen, it, no matter what it is in this life, it's just a pile of manure compared to the ability to serve Jesus. And so Father, help us again. There are some parts of this passage that we can take home Reminding us that delivering the gospel message isn't necessarily easy. There will be resistance. But Father, understanding in the midst of that, you love us. You know every hair on our head. Father, there's not anything that happens to us at any moment during the day that you are not completely aware of. And Lord, you tell us very carefully, you never bring anything into our lives that isn't there for our good. We may not get it, but you've got a plan. And then, Father, to remind us that we've got to be willing 
to have nothing else in this life more important than serving you. The passage said, if anybody loves father and mother more, if anybody loves their children more, if anybody loves anything more in this life, they're not worthy. Lord, we need to make sure we have our focus right. That the most important thing that we can do on a daily basis is serve you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us to live up to the awesome responsibility of sharing it with someone. In Jesus' name, amen.